Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of John, chapter 1, so grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. Andrew and John, who were followers of John the Baptist, but now they have come, now that Jesus has come on the scene, they need to follow Jesus. I want you to look at John chapter 1 and verse 41. It tells us that Andrew found Jesus immediately and went and found his brother Peter. And he said, Pete, we found the Messiah. Look at verse 42. Andrew brought Peter to Jesus. And Jesus looked at Peter and said, you are Simon, the son of Johann, John. Simon means shifting one. From now on, you're going to be called Cephas. Cephas is Greek for Peter, which means rock. The Lord renamed Peter because the Lord was going to reform Peter. Pre-crucifixion, we talked about it last week, Peter was shifty and sandy and unstable and unsure. Peter went from shifting sand to steady and stable and a rock. Post-crucifixion, what was the difference? The difference is the power in the presence of the Holy Spirit. On the day of Pentecost, Peter was filled with the Holy Spirit and his life was changed. And there was a new power and a new boldness and a Holy Spirit confidence in Peter. And that's how it works, saints. When you're filled with the Holy Spirit and changed and touched by the Spirit, everything changes. Can I get a witness? Everything changes. Three words describe Peter's coming to Jesus. If you're taking notes, write it down. Sought, brought, and caught. Three words describe Peter coming to Jesus. Sought, bought, and caught. He was sought by his brother and brought to Jesus and caught by the words that came out of the mouth of the Messiah. Last week, we met Andrew and John and Peter. Today, we meet two more disciples, Philip and Nathaniel. Two points I want to make. If you got a pen, you write this down. Two points I want to make. They're so simple, I didn't even want to make a slide for them because I'm going to make two simple points today we're going to talk about. Number one, God chooses people. God chooses people. We'll find that in verses 43 through 45. God chooses people. And we're going to call that divine election. Divine election. And people choose God in verse 46 through 51. And we're going to call that human decision. God chooses people and not verses, but and people choose God in verse 46 through 51. I've titled this sermon, Finding the God Who Found You. John chapter 1, saints, we pick up in verse 43. If you're looking at verse 43, say amen. Amen. The following day, Jesus wanted to go to Galilee, and he found Philip, and he said to him, 
what did he say to him, saints? Follow me. Now, Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. And Philip found Nathanael and said to him, we have found him of whom Moses and the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And Nathanael said to him, can any good thing come out of Nazareth? And Philip said to him, come and see. And Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him and said uh, to him, said of him, behold, an Israelite indeed in whom there is no deceit. And Nathanael said to him, how did you know me? And Jesus answered and said to him, before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Nathanael answered and said to him, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. And Jesus answered and said to him, because I said to you that I saw you under the fig tree, do you believe? You will see greater things than these. And he said to him in verse 51, more, most assuredly I say to you, hereafter you shall see heaven open and the angels of God, note the order, ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. Saints, stop right there. Give me your attention, if you will. So we meet two more disciples to follow Jesus, Philip and Nathaniel. In verse 43, it tells us the following day, Jesus wanted to go to Galilee. Remember, Jesus was in the area of Bethbara, where John was baptizing. And now he goes into the area of Galilee, where he finds another disciple, Philip. Philip was from the city of Andrew and Peter. Jesus said to Philip, follow me. And Philip began to follow Jesus. Philip tells Nathaniel, we found the Messiah. Somehow, Philip must have been hearing the things that John the Baptist was saying. We're not sure what level of familiarity Philip has with Jesus. But Jesus goes directly to Philip and says, follow me. And it was enough. Now, listen, saints, what we have here is a story, a strange story and some pretty deep doctrine. Because on one hand, we have men asking or making a cognizant decision to follow Christ. And at the same time, as you read the story, you get the idea that Jesus has been anticipating them following him all along. So the question is, did they choose to follow Jesus or did Jesus choose for them to follow him? Did they choose to follow Jesus or did Jesus choose for them to follow him? I say both are true. Philip says, we found the Lord. Now we say that all the time, don't we? We found the Lord. When you become a Christian, you say, I found the Lord. Or when you tell people that you become a Christian, they say, well, I'm glad you found God. Well, we understand that, don't we? I found the Lord. But we also understand that he wasn't lost. He wasn't lost, right, y'all? All right, good. Last service, they didn't seem too sure. I was like, okay, we might have a problem. He wasn't lost. We say we found Jesus, but the truth is he found us. When we say he found us, it doesn't mean we fell off the GPS. It means there came a time that he revealed himself to us and he found us. Now, this story, listen, gives us a crash course on the doctrine of predestination and election. And perhaps you want to write that down. The doctrine of predestination and election. We get a crash course on the sovereignty of God and the responsibility of man wedged into the scripture text. The topic of 
divine choice or predestination has always been hot topic in the church. The word predestination, if you're taking notes, you can write this down. It means to decide ahead of time, to foreordain. The Bible teaches before you were born. Did you know this? Before you were born, before you were in your mother's womb, apart from anything you've done, God chose you, God ordained you, God elected that you would be saved. Point number one, God chooses people. We're calling that divine election. Jesus said, Peter, Philip, follow me. Now listen, let me tell you this before we go any further. What Jesus is doing here is, um, uh, it's not inappropriate, but culturally uh, out of protocol. Culturally, he's not within protocol. And what I mean is the rabbis in those days, they never invited someone to follow them. They would never say to a disciple, hey, come follow me. It was a disciple's responsibility to say, I want to learn from you. So Jesus is doing something very culturally different by saying, Philip, follow me. When Jesus says, Philip, follow me, he's calling Philip to make a decision. At the same time, listen, God has already decided that Philip would follow him. People come to Christ because God seeks them. Listen, no man seeks after the Father. The Bible tells us no one is seeking after God. God sent his son to seek after us. I need somebody to say amen. God sent his son to seek after us. Nobody's choosing God. Nobody's seeking after God. God is seeking men. God chooses us. Let me give you some scripture verses. John 15, write it down. Verse 16, Jesus said, you did not choose me. I chose. Anybody know the last word? You. Ephesians 1, 4, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world. Isaiah 49, verse 1. I love the way the New International Version reads this verse. Listen to me, you islands. Hear this, you distant nations. Before I was born, the Lord called me from my birth. He has made mention of my name. Jeremiah 1.5. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born... I set you apart and I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. Galatians chapter 1 verse 15. But when it pleased God, who separated me from my mother's womb and called me through his grace. All of these verses, and there are many more, tell us that salvation begins with God. God chooses. God ordains. God predestines us to be saved. And God, listen, this is Christianity 101, saints, you gotta know this. God does this through or based on his foreknowledge, omniscience, and providence. Gotta know those words, Christian. Foreknowledge, um, providence, and omniscience. The word omniscient means God knows everything everything. Look at verse 43 again. Jesus knew where Philip lived and decided to go there. Look at verse 47. Jesus looked at Nathanael and said, ah, here's a guy who is an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. Philip said, 
How did you know that about me? Omniscience. Jesus said, before I called you, I saw you sitting under the fig tree. This speaks of the omniscience and the providence of God. The word providence is a good word for the Christian to know. It means the supernatural arrangement of natural events. The supernatural arrangement of natural events. Now, don't get it confused. Don't get providence confused with the miraculous. The miraculous is the intervention of the supernatural imposed upon the natural. Providence is natural events that happen, but arranged by a supernatural hand. The word comes from the Latin providentia, prov, ahead, dentia, to see. It means to see in advance, providence. Through the omniscience and the foreknowledge and the providence of God, he chooses and predestines men to be saved. But listen, men must choose God. Divine choice intersects with human choice. And both are true. God elects. God predestines. And yet we must make a choice to make a decision for him. Let me give you some scriptures. I think of John the Baptist and Jesus who both said, repent. The word repent means you do something. You repent. Matthew 11, Jesus said, come to me and take my yoke upon you. You come. You take the yoke of Jesus. John 5, Jesus said, you are not willing to come to me. You are not willing to come to me. John 7, Jesus said, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. You come and you drink. Acts 16, Paul the apostle said, believe on the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. You believe and you will be saved. Over and over, the Bible is clear that you must choose and respond in faith. At the same time, listen, Christian, you got to think. You got to be thinking in this sermon, all right? Got to turn your brain on, all right? Some of y'all thinking, oh, bummer. I was hoping to just get to sit here. Nope, you got to think. Now, listen, at the same time, you must choose God God is the one who is also choosing you. You can't do it on your own. You can't come to God on your own. What do you mean, Rodney? John chapter 6. No man comes to me, Jesus, unless the Father draws him. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 4 and 5. Just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will. Our salvation began before we were born. The whole subject of sovereign election and human decision has been argued for centuries, even thought about, listen, to the point of bloodshed. What are you talking about? John Calvin, the followers of John Calvin, they are known as, anybody know? Calvinists. They make the point that election has nothing to do with human choice. Calvinists teach this. God is sovereign, they teach. God is in control. God has elected those to go to heaven and those to go to hell. 
Many Calvinists won't even preach the gospel because they say, what's the point? Some are elected to go to heaven and some are elected to go to hell. So there's no point in preaching the gospel. Uh, somebody asked Spurgeon one time, why evangelize if people are elected? And Spurgeon said, well, if I were going to fish and I said to the boat rental person, are the fish biting? And he said, uh, maybe. He said, I'd fish. He said, if I said to the same guy, are the fish biting? And he said, well, there are 8,000 fish that will be caught. He said, I'd fish. Then he went on to say, there's the reason I preach. is because men are elected and predestined to be saved. And so I fish. And that's true for us too. We don't know who's elected to be saved or who's not. What we need to do is fish. Jesus said, go and make disciples of, to him. And we need to go and preach the gospel. And it's not our concern with who's, who's elected or who's not elected. We need to be obedient and just go and fish and go and tell people about the goodness of Jesus Christ. So you have the followers of Calvinists, and then you have the followers of Jacobus Arminius, or those people are known as well, who? Arminians, and they believe and teach the free will of man. In other words, man has free will to choose his own eternity. People must exercise their free will to accept or reject God's forgiveness. They also believe that you can lose your salvation. And Calvinists and Arminians have fought over this for hundreds of years. And for hundreds of years, people have tried to unravel these mysteries. I've even had people come up to me and recent years and they say, well, you know, well, what about this and what about that? And, you know, I told those people, listen, if you figure this out, I will be visiting you at Holly Hill because this will drive you crazy. Somebody once wrote this. They said the doctrine of election is so deep and rich that if you try and explain it, you'll lose your mind. If you try to explain it away, you'll lose your heart. Do you know there are some things in the Bible that we cannot understand? Get over it. There are some things in the Bible that you will never understand. There are some things in the Bible, let me go one step further. There are some things in the Bible that God doesn't want you to understand. Why? Because it keeps us in a place of humility and, and, and it also keeps us in a place of, of understanding that God knows everything and you don't. <gasps> I don't know everything. No, you don't know everything. Memory verse, Deuteronomy 29, 29, the secret things belong to the Lord. Do you know there are some things that God has secret that we don't know, that we'll never know? But I'm okay with that. Because it's the very thing that I, that I don't really understand and things in the Bible that I really don't understand actually keeps me in the place of worship because somebody once rightly said, if God is small enough where you can understand everything about him, then he wouldn't be big enough to worship. Am I right about it? Somebody clap your hands if I'm right about it. Is that right? That's true. So we worship him. And these things are hard to explain and they're, and they're hard to understand because they seem to contradict, don't they? How can God choose at the same time you must choose? Here's a word I want you to know. Antinomy. A-N-T-I-N-O-M-Y. Antinomy. 
An antinomy, listen to the dictionary's definition, a contradiction or opposition between two laws or rules, a contradiction between principles or conclusions that seem equally necessary and reasonable. The sovereignty of God and the responsibility of man is an antinomy. It's an antinomy. It seems like they don't work together, like they, 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 they contradict, but they don't. Now, what's our position here at Calvary Chapel? Are we Calvinists or are we Arminianist? Listen, we call ourselves here at Calvary Chapel Calminians. <laughs> Write it down. They are Calminians. We're Calminians. In other words, we see both to be true saints. Listen, God has chosen and picked some to be saved and some will never be saved. And we also have the responsibility to choose him. And there are people who say, well, that's not fair. They say it's not fair that God has chosen to pick some and not chosen to pick others to be saved. People have even asked me, they've said, well, how do I know if I'm picked? And I say to them, well, do you want to be saved? And they say, no. I say, well, then you ain't picked. (laughs) You want to be saved? Yeah, well, then you picked. It's as simple as that. If you leave the day and you don't get saved, then you'll know you weren't picked. But listen, here's the good news, and maybe I can get somebody to say amen. Here's the good news. God wants everybody picked. God wants everybody picked. The Bible says, whosoever will let them come. Whosoever will, that's anybody. God wants everybody picked. Everybody picked. He wants you picked. Now, then the question is, do you want to be picked? Because if you want to be picked, then you'll be picked. And if you don't want to be picked, then you won't be picked. But I say pick God because God picked you. But in order for you to be picked, you got to pick. I like the word pick. You want to pick? Pick God. God picked you. God picked you for the foundation of the world. So pick him right now. You want to be picked? Good. Then you're picked. You don't want me picked? You won't be picked. It's as simple as that. I praise God I'm picked. I praise God I am picked. I praise God I'm picked. I praise God you're picked. Clap your hands and say amen. I'm picked. Love being picked. D.L. Moody said this. He said, I'm sure glad the Lord picked me before I was born because I don't think he would have picked me after I'd done some living. I love that. By his grace, I'm chosen, saved, and picked. Somebody say amen and clap your hands. Will you do that? Amen. We're picked, baby. Point number two, people choose God. We're calling that human decision. Y'all still with me? Say amen. Jesus said to Philip, follow me. And it seems Philip obeyed immediately. Not only did Philip follow, but he went and he found Nathanael and told him. And Philip said, Nate, listen, we found Jesus that the Old Testament talked about. Nathanael said, oh, can any good thing come out of Nazareth? Now we know that Jesus was from Nazareth. If you're taking notes, you write this down. Nazareth means Sprout Town. I don't know why I think that's funny. Sprout Town. It was a dusty little village. No importance, unsophisticated, forgotten, forsaken, economically, politically, militarily forgotten. Nazareth was off the beaten path. 
So people from Judea saw the Galileans as backward hicks. And Nathanael said, can any good thing come out of Nazareth? Philip doesn't have an answer, so he simply responds, come and see. Now in this comment, listen, we see the difference between these two guys and their faith level, if you will. Philip seems easy to believe. Jesus said, come on, Philip. Philip followed. Some people are like Philip, aren't they? They're ready to believe, no problem. Some people are like Nathaniel. They need some investigation. They need room. They need to look at it and examine it. Nathaniel, also known as Bartholomew in the scriptures, is more like a skeptic. Nothing wrong with skepticism. Listen, nothing wrong with skepticism. As a matter of fact, I think some people in the church, we need a little skepticism. We are too easily embracing of anything in the church today and everything that glitters ain't gold. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch in Calvary Chapel, Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.